On this episode of the Picayune Preview Show, our very own Ricky Whitaker sets down with Hancock football coach Neil Lawler. Then Clay and Ricky will sit down with an in-depth discussion about this week's matchup between your Picayune Maroon Tide versus the Hancock Hulk. Healthy pets, happy people, exceptional medicine, compassionate care. That's our motto at the Animal Health Clinic in Picayune. Located at 500 Kelly Road, we are equipped with the latest veterinary technology and provide a full menu of animal health services, including after-hours emergencies. Dr. Alan Smith invites you to join our clinic family by checking out our website at ahcpicayune.com or calling us at 601-799-1300. How do you unwind? Whether it's hunting, riding horses, or just sitting around a campfire. It's better on land you own. Southern Ag Credit can finance that land. Give our Gulfport office a call at 228-832-5582 or visit us online at southernagcredit.com. Joining us on the podcast today is the head coach of the Hancock Hawks varsity football team in his seventh year as the head coach, uh, Coach Neil Lawler. Coach, thanks for giving us some time this morning. I appreciate y'all having me on. Thank y'all. So, Coach, as we wrap up the regular season, uh, you'll be the last coach that we talk to before postseason play begins. And I mention that because you'll close one chapter for the Talking Ball Y'all Media Group today, but you also helped open up another one as some of our listeners uh, might not know that you were the first coach that the Talking Ball Y'all crew ever interviewed. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. I, uh, didn't, I, I'd forgotten about that until now. Uh, yeah, when Clay interviewed me back in 17, that's or 16, that's pretty good. Yeah, I know, it, you know, Clay and Jeff uh, Lawson have mentioned that several times this year. Uh, certainly a special moment for those guys. They've looked forward to this week, and uh, I've certainly looked forward to, to having you um, as an interview person this week as well. So, Coach, staying with that theme of, of monumental moments, your team has secured a postseason berth for back-to-back years. It's been nearly three decades uh, since that's happened for the Hawks. Certainly a great accomplishment in itself. You know, you mentioned coming into this season that everyone was aware, you know, what was at stake. What's it meant to the team and, and really for you as the head coach to be part of this group that's able to, to get over that hump? Well, we had, uh, we had mentioned it earlier, kind of in our, our goals and uh, preseason stuff. And, uh, you know, this group of seniors and, and the juniors that were part of the team last year, of course, they, uh, they knew they'd set themselves up uh, in a good situation to – um, you know, not only reach a goal that hasn't been reached in, like you said, over three decades, but, but to kind of, kind of leave a legacy, uh, within their group. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of the way they've kind of handled week to week. I've mentioned this on other interviews and, um, and, and articles, but, you know, the, the kids this year have done a great job of taking not just play by play or day by day, but rep by rep in practice. And uh, really making sure they get a full understanding of what we're trying to do, um, what's our not just our scheme, but it, as far as how it applies to the opponent we have coming up. And uh, they've done a great job of handling that. Uh, our coaching staff has has done a great job of putting them in positions to be successful. And, and the kids, uh, you know, I think 
kids are young men, but they, they've done a great job of putting uh, not just the, the ball in play, but uh, reacting once it's there and, and being able to make some plays. And Coach, I often like to look back at just kind of philosophy styles for coaches and, and, and different things. I, I get a kick out of that and kind of nerd out on stuff like that. Uh, your motto for the team this year, standard over feelings. Um, I believe the seniors had a part in choosing that statement. And if what I read was correctly, that was maybe the first time that you actually had a senior class um, be able to have a part in picking what the battle cry was going to be for the team. Uh, tell us what inspired your group to choose that and, and really what it says about this senior class. Yeah, this, uh, most most years, or all years up to this one, uh, you know, I've kind of sat down – not just myself, but some of the other coaches. And we, we kind of try to fit our motto and our theme to what kind of the team makeup is. And, uh, you know, going back several years, this, uh, this particular senior class, we've, we've given them a little bit more uh, of a hands-on approach, um, you know, a little insight as to kind of how we operate. And, and, you know, they, they've got a lot of experience under their belt. Um, a lot of these guys that are seniors now played as, as sophomores. Um, you know, they experienced it at the end of their ninth grade year by coming up and practicing. So they, they've been with us for a long time. And, um, you know, we, this is, this is the second group that we've had come all the way through since seventh grade on, um, since I've been the head coach. And, um, this group's proven that not only can they, you know, play on the field or, or practice, but they also have the mindset in the weight room, the meeting room, the locker room, and, uh, you know, we wanted to give them a little bit more freedom. And uh, by them choosing that, that was um, – it was something that was unexpected. Um, and they they came to me, and as soon as they said it, I was like, bingo, there it is. And they have something in their locker uh, that, that – States are what our standard is, which is excellent. And, uh, you know, we talk about it often. I, I tell them I was not a very good math student. Um, you know, so excellent score in math was a 90 for me. It wasn't necessarily a 100, but that was an excellent score for me. Excellent doesn't mean perfection. It means what is your, what are you doing to, to create excellence in, in the job you're doing? And some have different levels of that. And uh, we're expecting it from each of them. And um, so, when they said the standard over feelings, you know, they were, they, they kind of hit home with some players. Um, and some, you know, with the coaching staff, as far as we, we have a certain standard we're trying to uphold here. And it's kind of, it's been the same standard since I've been head coach. And, uh, you know, and this, this group's kind of embodied that to, to the point that they wanted to make it their motto that, you know, we, we're all striving for excellence. And sometimes a feeling may get hurt. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we got to put that to the side and understand we're trying to do it for the betterment of, of 80 people in here, you know, with the coaches and the players all involved. And, and that and that trickles all the way down from uh, to our seventh grade program. That's, um, their, their standard is not different than, than the guy that's a senior. Uh, so we try to try to incorporate everybody and everybody represents each other. You're not, you're not just representing you when you walk out of this, uh, field house or in this field house, you were representing that eight, um, which not just the 80 people in this building, but all that are in our program, that are in our school, in our community. And uh, there's a certain way that we have to uh, uphold our standard, um, you know, outside and in, in all aspects of our life. That's really neat, Coach. I appreciate you sharing that with me. 
And, Coach, turning to the, the offensive side of the ball, you get 10 starters back from a year ago. Uh, leading the ways, your your big 6'3 signal caller, senior Dylan Moran, young man who was selected to the Bernard Blackwell All-Star Game this year, uh, leads the coast, uh, nearly 1,900 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, completing better than 54% of his passes. I know you've mentioned that you expect your quarterback to be an extension of the coaching staff. I'll ask you to speak to your senior quarterback and his progression uh, through this season. Yeah, Dylan Dylan has done a great job not only by taking what has been given to him, but also being able to exploit it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of some of the steps we talked about in the offseason. Um, he got some playing time as a sophomore. He was battling with a uh, senior that year. And, um, we were able to uh, get him some playing, playing time, some reps, and then of course last year as a junior, uh, he got he got banged up in the first uh, first week we we started last year, and uh, so he kind of played through some injuries, but uh, played well, and um, I think he kind of not only did it physically mess with him, you know, mentally he tried to rush a few things, and we were kind of limited on some of the uh, some of the stuff out of our offense that we could or couldn't do uh, with the with some of his, uh, you know, the or the uh, injury that he had, but you know, Dylan has done week to week. It's been a, it's been a. Okay, this is what they're going to give me. This is what I got to take. Yes, I'm going to get my shot, but I have to be able to stay within the frame of the game, and that's the biggest step I would say he's taken. He and I kind of uh, converse each week and and kind of just go over the basic stuff that we have. Nothing new that he hasn't seen or see us, you know, call before or, or tried to run. It's just he, he's taken it and in stride and he's done a done a really, really good job of, of making sure that understands what fits our game, what fits his game and kinda how how he can progress off of that. Um and he's had some bumps, you know, uh along the road this year, which all football players have. Um being an extension of us is, in this office is is kind of the mentality you have to have at quarterback. And it doesn't matter if you're playing seventh-grade quarterback or you're playing, you know, in, in the NFL. You, you're an extension of the of what's being called and how it gets operated. There's truly one person that we're expecting the ball to be in the hands of every play. Now it's your job to decipher where you're, uh, you're going to distribute it. And, uh, you know, within our scheme of offense and the way we, the way we run, we, we give him a little bit more freedom because of his experience and, and game action that he's seen. Uh, and, and like I said, the biggest progression for him has been to to exploit that and to take what's there and then take the shots when he when he gets the opportunity. And Coach, look at this gun T offense, as, as most call it, uh, on film. It certainly <laughs> looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it's got a lot of moving parts to it. No, it needs a good running back. It needs good wide receivers. Uh, you look at Zach Galong, who enters this week with nearly 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, uh, averaging nearly seven yards per carry. And then 6'5", uh, senior Neil Acker, nearly 800 yards on the year, nine touchdowns. Uh, your impression of, of the skill players in this offense and the offensive line play so far uh, through this season? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Zach. Zach is a uh, – is a true warrior for us he's he's done everything we've asked him to do and just to kind of give you an insight last uh last year going into the season um you know we were looking at playing him 
at some defensive line just because of his strength. And, uh, you know, he's probably the strongest kid pound for pound by far in our weight room. And, you know, we were going to use him at, at, at defensive line kind of as a quick nose and, and kind of use him in that aspect. And we had a couple injuries and we put him at running back. And, and then he goes off for over, you know, right at 1,500 yards last year. Uh, against the Ocean Springs and the Gulf Ports, and um, we're like, man, we found something. And he, uh, he, he's, he's a kid that he knows I'm gonna get two yards here, I'm gonna get two yards there, but then I'm gonna be able to rip one off for about twenty. Um, and then I, I just got to keep kind of turning my legs, and um, he, he has great balance and um, and stuff when he's running the football. His, his vision is really good. Um, for what our scheme is, uh, is able to find some creases, and that starts with uh, you know the, the people up front. Our offensive line is very experienced. Uh, we brought back a lot of experience, like you mentioned a while ago, and and those those guys have have, have created some gaps for him. Um, you know, and when he gets a when he gets a gap, he's gonna he's gonna be able to take it for a large chunk. Now, if he gets a crease, he's gonna be able to get his two to four to five yards, but he. Uh, he does a great job running behind his pads, you know, and that and that offensive line with Bryce Ladner and and Devin Biddle and Jacob Mesa and uh, the rest of those guys up front. They Logan Ladner's and Leonard Kemper. They they do a good job of of making sure and understanding that he may still be running. We have to keep and maintain our blocks and and stay on them. And uh, we've done a good job of that so far. Now, wide receiver wise, we've been. We've been very blessed to have um, we have size um, with some with some foot speed and and some and some quickness out there. Neil Neil has come on. He's he's kind of a late bloomer. Uh, last year he got he started for us and um, he he kind of started playing football kind of late. Uh, he didn't play his seventh grade year and kind of was on the side and was part of his eighth grade, but really didn't start playing until about ninth grade and. Um, he, he's come a long way. Um, so proud of him and how he's handled the um, not just the maturity of himself, but how he's evolved as a football player. Understanding, I'm probably going to get some double coverage looks um, now in the season with with those kind of numbers and that kind of size. But he, he's patient, just like Dylan is, and he understands. I'm going to take. I'm going to get my shot. I got to be able to execute it when I get it. Um, and you know. With, with those kind of skilled guys around Dylan and and Jeffrey Hopgood at our wing back, um, you know, and also running the football, it's it's fun to watch because, like I said, we give Dylan some freedom out there, and and sometimes we get a little shocked. It's like uh, like Christmas morning occasionally when we're like, oh, didn't expect that, but yeah. hey, we love it. Let's roll with it. So, uh, you know, that it was a good thing. Um, but I, I think that group overall with the maturity. Not just age-wise, but the experience of playing and and how they've matured and and developed over the not just this year, but over the last probably I would say like fifteen months. You know, midway through last year and all the way to this point, it's been it's been fun to watch. And and that's the way high school football is. Um, we just happen to have a lot of them that have matured all at the same time, which is really fun to see. And coach, you mentioned late and uh, Neil Acker, you know, being late starting to play football, and I think that's a good word to use. I, I, when I flip on the film and look at these guys we mentioned, and I'm sure there's others as well, 
it seems like uh, these colleges have been a little bit late in really pressing the button on these guys. These all look like guys that could play on the next level. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's something that um, you know it's kind of been as a coach. You know, I sit there and I'm I'm reaching out to these people. We have two or three other coaches on our staff that have you know we're constantly sending out film to them, and um, you know Neil Neil presents the size. Like I don't know how many you know six five receivers there are running around the state of Mississippi. Uh, but I, I know there's one down here that's putting up the numbers. Uh, he's proven it week in and week out against the top talent in the state of Mississippi. He has for two years. Um, you know, the same thing with Zach. Zach, yeah, Zach's a little bit on the shorter side, but Zach is Zach is built like a tank, and he can he can bust loose if he gets free. He's he's not necessarily going to run a four four, but he'll run a four seven. And uh, and I promise you, everybody runs a little faster when they're getting chased. So, uh, you know, he, he does everything that's asked of him. But, you know, I, I don't get too wrapped up into that because we keep telling them, you keep doing what you're doing, and people are going to have to take notice. Um, you know, it's just like we were in 17. The more the longer you play, the more people are going to show up. And um, that's so evident. We, You know, if you can play in cold weather, uh, that means, A, you're playing deep into your season, and B, that's going to give opportunities for some of these colleges to, to wrap up, especially the JUCOs, to wrap up their seasons, and they're going to get to come see you now. And uh, you know that's that's the biggest thing with some of our scheduling. I uh, wanted to put them in front of other people in other districts. And uh, I mentioned this earlier uh, on another show that you know, yeah, we went to Natchez, we've been to Pedal. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to get our guys out and a in a different environment. It's, let them see that and, and be put them in a situation where somebody can come see them uh, once they hear their name. And uh, so it's not a three-hour trip to the coast. Maybe it's a 20-minute ride down the road so they can see them type thing. And, Coach, moving to the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned already uh, Hopgood plays some wing for you. Also <laughs> a very, very valuable part of your defense. Linebacker leads the team in tackles. He's going to be joining Dylan as a teammate in the Bernard Blackwell All-Star Game. Uh, what's been your grade of the defense this year, and what are some things you're maybe looking for from them as postseason play is getting ready to start? Well, our, our defense has played solid all year. You know, um, the <laughs> jokingly with our defensive coordinator, Tracy Rogers, this past week, I told him we, for some reason we can't just allow him to have a number hanging up there that, you know, they particularly – Gave up uh, last week. We gave up a punt or a uh, block punt, which you know gave gave the other team seven points. We would only given up seven points last Friday if that wasn't the case. And then the two weeks before, we uh, we've kind of given up some points from the offensive standpoint. And uh, you know our, our defense, as it stands, I think we're giving up roughly about eighteen points a game, which is really good uh, football. You know, 10 years ago, that was really good defense. Now it's really, really good because of the offensive schemes and, and diversities you have to go against. But, uh, you know, if you take out the points we've given up from other areas and other other stuff, whether it be special teams or offensively, I think our defense is around 16 points a game uh, given up for the year. And, um, you know, they, they fly to the ball. They're energetic. Uh, they understand it's, it's got to be a group effort. Um, and it's led by number 27, Jeffrey Hopgood. He's 
he is probably the best football player I've coached. And I've been fortunate to be around and coach a, you know, great All-American and, and Dandy doesn't, but he is a football player. Uh, bar none, he is he's so smart. He understands not just what the scheme is, but he understands what's being asked of him from Coach Rogers and, and, and that staff and, and the importance of him not just getting over there and making a play, but lining up 10 other people to, to make sure that they're in a great position for us to be successful. Um, you know, he, he's also accompanied by KJ Wheat. Uh, outside linebacker, uh, number 16. And then, uh, you know, we've had some younger guys step up as well uh, on that front. And in the uh, linebacker role, um, you know, number 22, Aiden Taylor, has, has come along has come a long way. Uh, you know, we went into this offseason trying to – he's an athletic kid. We knew he was going to have good size. We just didn't know where he was going to fall within our scheme on either side of the ball. And uh, he found a niche early and – as I think he has 10 sacks a year, and um, he has a he has a nose to find the football. And uh, of course, our back end we had to replace three out of the four starters back there. The one returning starter is Christoph Gagne, which um, you know we've we've had a Gagne in our program for 10 years now. Uh, he's had three other brothers come through, and uh, this is Christoph's last year. You know, he's a three-year starter that that plays as if he's been playing for 10 years like the rest of his family because he's been with us. You know, we feel like he's been here since his, he was in second grade. and uh, So he knows us in and out, and we know him in and out. But those three young guys that have joined him in the back end have, have truly impressed me with not just the way they, they've come together as a, as, a, as a defensive back group, but the way they kind of eat off each other, they're, they're – really close they're all juniors the other three and um you know we're blessed to have some size back there i think we're if i'm not mistaken we're probably six two or better at the other positions um all three of those other positions and you know that that creates some some issues just by length perspective but also they're very rangy and and they understand our scheme coach donovan the defensive back coach does a does a good job of putting them in a great in a great spot and you know, one day I'm sure Coach Rogers is going to hear this, but Coach Rogers has to co- he coaches Coach Donovan up really well to make sure that they're in the right spot, and that's a joke inside joke to us. But you know, they they do a great job feeding off of the front, and then the linebackers uh, feeding off of them, and then with the DBs being able to make plays once it gets to their part. And coach, we'll, we'll turn our attention to the matchup this week, and it's a little bit it's a little bit of a different kind of scenario here. You know, we. Uh, we know that that Picune has the one locked up. You guys have the four, and on our side of the region, uh, two and three are going to be playing each other to depend on who's there. On the other side of the division, all those games are going to count to depend on seedings, but you guys are kind of locked up in place. You get that stage that you mentioned against uh, uh, for your, your, your team to, to perform on against a group like Picune. Uh, a lot of talent on, on, on their team. Haven't played those guys in – it's been nearly 20 years, which is kind of surprising. I had to look twice to make sure that was yeah. accurate. But given the the scenario of this game where, hey, it's just going to – it's really not going to matter in terms of seeding position, does it change the approach at all in how you prepare for this one? Absolutely not. We, uh, we're going into this with, with an opportunity to play – 
one of the best, if not the best team in the state of Mississippi. Um, and uh, I know Coach Stogner and his staff over there are doing the same thing. It's, uh, you know, it's another another week to, to get some work and, uh, you know, prepare for a team that we could potentially see each other again, um, whether it be uh, round two possibly, I think. Um, but I think I think our guys and our players and our, our coaching staff and, um, with the mentality of, you know, we, we've seen Picayune in seventh and eighth grade and ninth grade and JV for every year that we've been here. It just has, has, you know, it hasn't been on a Friday night. And I know Friday nights are different. And, um, you know, our, our guys are excited about the opportunity. Um, I think that, you know, with the preparation going in this week, there's, there's no talk about the other or the next week. It's, it's about what we have. And that goes back to what I said probably in the first two minutes of our conversation our guys prepared day to day and they've done a great job preparing rep to rep about what's what the job is at this moment and uh you know i think they've done a great job of handling it we had a good first day yesterday and i know it's a short week so uh we got to get a lot in and in, in just a few days instead of the full three to four like we normally have coach we're looking forward to a great game on friday night um can't can't wait to see this this group in person. They looked very very good on film. Uh, we wish you the best of luck uh, in postseason play as well. And and again, we appreciate your time uh, today. I know other things you could be doing, but you took some time to talk to me, so I, I don't take that lightly. I appreciate that very much, Coach. Well, thank y'all. I appreciate y'all reaching out. It's always fun to talk to y'all, and uh, you know I I always give Clay a hard time. I, I have to wait my turn for. For interviews and now that we're in the same district I told him I said well I'm gonna at least get one with one of y'all this week so <laughs> we got so, you, we got, I, you, we got you hope, posted in for a long time now so you're uh, good I I hope I hope to be having another conversation in a couple of weeks with y'all and uh you know I think I think there's you know we have a really good district um uh, you know with the guys and the teams that are coming out of our district uh you know I'm, I'm looking forward to see see us match over region three up there and um you know but this week we need to we need we got to have a good week of preparation like i said this is the best team it's not you know one of the best teams in the state of mississippi and coach stogner and coach Aiden and all that group they do they do such a great job with with getting their guys ready week in and week out um you know to stay at the at the point that they're at where they are the best in the state and you know, this is a fun challenge for all of us involved. I'm looking forward to a good or a good Thursday night. I am too, Coach, and I agree with that 100%. I mean, what what better way to to start postseason play than getting your oil checked a little bit? And I think that's going to be what both teams are coming into this game uh, looking at. So we're excited for Correct. it. Uh, wish you and your your crew a safe travel over to Lee Triplet Stadium, and uh, we'll see you on Friday night. Thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me a call and giving us this opportunity to talk about our Hawks. Thank yes, you. Sir. Are you looking for a neighborhood cruiser, a cart to get you from green to green, or just a fun campground buggy? Then come visit the friendly staff at Bayou Buggies in Poplarville. We've got just about any cart to fit your needs. We can even custom build the cart of your dreams. Come see the guys who know golf carts because golf carts is all we do. Give us a call today at 601-746-9814. Visit us online at BayouBuggies.com or stop by our showroom at 1722 South Main Street in Poplarville. 
Bayou Buggies, a proud sponsor of the Talking Ball Y'all broadcast of high school sports in Pearl River County. Dungan Engineering is a unique force in problem solving in the state of Mississippi. They have offices in Brookhaven, Columbia, Picayune, and Macomb. Dungan Engineering has the capability to provide expansive and complex services to state agencies, local governments, utility providers, and national firms. They do this all while preserving the good neighbor attitude that allows them to be active members in the communities they serve. Their motto is service, strength, solutions. It's not just words, not just goals, and not just an outcome. There was, as I always say at this time in a podcast, an awesome opportunity to hear from a good friend of mine, I guess both ways there, from uh, Neil Lawler. And then, of course, you know what I think of you, Rick. So that was cool to hear uh, you two kind of lock up in an interview format. Uh, neat for, of course, Jeff and I, as you, as you brought that history out to begin the interview with Neil. And so, man, cool guy, right? Neil's a, a neat guy to visit with, huh, Slick? Yeah, he certainly is, Clay, and he's he's turned uh, that program in a very good direction. As we mentioned, it's been 30 years, uh, three decades since Hattiesburg has secured back-to-back positions in the postseason. So um, he's happy about that, and uh, you know, still still being able to play football after the regular season ends is is the is the number one goal. And whether you're a one or a four, if you're in, you're in. So he's happy about that. Yeah, you mentioned the seeding uh, there and mentioned Hancock's success. When you look at the seeding and the playoffs, let's look at at our side and then potentially what uh, Picune will see in the first round a a week from now. Kind of give our listeners that scenario, lay that out uh, for them if you would, Slick. Yeah, so it's really probably the most cut and dry clay that it's been on the Region 4 and the Region 3 side. There's not a third team factoring in in any way it's an either or situation and everyone's head-to-head matchups are going to determine the seating uh outside of of Picayune and Hancock so Picayune and Hancock are the only two teams on the three and the four side that have locked up their position so we know who the eight teams are it's Picayune George County Pascagoula and Hancock on our side it's West Jones Hattiesburg Terry and Forest Hill on the other but the seedings for those other teams have not been determined yet so Picayune can't fall below the one seed. They wrapped up district last week. Hancock can't rise above the four, so they're locked in there. So Pascagoula and George County will play to determine who is two and who is three. So that's pretty pretty simple there. And then Picayune, we know for sure, Clay, that they will play the loser of Terry and Forest Hill. They go to head-to-head for the regular season uh, finale, and then Hattiesburg and West Jones go head-to-head for their regular season finale. So the winner of that team will be one. The loser will be two on that side. And again, the loser of uh, Terry and Forest Hill will be Picayune's opponent that will visit Lee Triplett Stadium. The winner will have to travel and play uh, the, the three seed on our side. I'm sorry. Yeah, that one, that one coming out of that side, you certainly look at West Jones just haven't allowed any points throughout the year. I mean, they're below 30 
and the points that they've allowed up to this point. That's incredible defensive effort week in, week out from West Jones. You and I got a chance to study Hattiesburg and prepping for uh, George County. That's always kind of cool this year with some of the, uh, this time of the year with some of the crossover uh, that Huddle gives you and, and being able to look at different opponents in Hattiesburg and explosive athletic club. So that should be a lot of fun between those two teams on Friday night. It should be clay. And, and you know, the, the region three side is, is a little bit probably more intriguing, I guess, of, uh, than even the, the region four side, because you mentioned Hattiesburg, you mentioned West Jones, but man, Terry, it looked like the Terry and West Jones baseball teams played a game because that score yeah. was two to nothing. Uh, West Jones took that game, but it says a little bit about Terry. So I think really the most intriguing matchup on our side is really that two and three spot because as Pascagoula and George County face off, we know that the two seed is going to get the loser. I'm sorry, they're going to get the winner between Terry and Forest Hill, and that'll be a home game for them. So they'll they'll be able to host. If you're the three seed, and let's just say that George County is the three seed, they're going to travel to play the loser of West Jones and Hattiesburg. Let's just say that that is Hattiesburg. Um, they've got an opponent that they've played before. Uh, went into overtime against Hattiesburg. You take the five turnovers away, probably a game they feel like they could have won. It was Deuce's first game back. It was his worst offensive performance throwing the football. So you got a lot of things that could that could play in there. Yeah, a lot of fun this time of year to uh, see the way that it's, it's going to play out. We we. We know right out of this one, uh, both where Hancock and Picune will be a week from now. And so uh, we heard Neil's answer at, at involved in your interview and the way that he was going to coach this thing. It sounds like we're certainly going to get uh, the Hawks' best shot. We're used to getting everybody's kind of A game. It sounds like uh, Coach Lawler and, and his club going to come in and, and try to give Picune Everything that it has there on Thursday night at Lee Triplett Stadium. I, th- I think they are, Clay, and I think that Coach Stogner is going to approach it the same way. And, you know, you and I talked a little bit offline about this. It's one of those scenarios where what is the right decision? You obviously – you rest your players and everyone says, you know, why did you do that if you don't play good the first run of the playoff? Someone gets hurt and you can't control that. But people are going to say, well, why in the world didn't you rest people? But you just play the game straight up. Um, I think Herm Edwards said it best. You you play to win the game. So they're going to go out and look at this as a dress rehearsal. They'll get their oils checked by two quality opponents uh, matching up. So I think it's a good way to finish the regular season. And I think you can be a little bit loose, right? Because you know the game doesn't matter in seedings. So maybe it opens up an opportunity if you're Hancock. You say, hey, you know, we're going to see how we match up against one of the best defenses around for Picayune. You may get a chance to look and say, you know what, um, Hancock runs this particular play. We're going to try this and see how it, how it works, or we're, we feel like we'll see this down in the playoffs. So you get a chance to play pretty loose, but it's going to be a, a hard-fought game, and I think a lot of effort on both sides. When you look at it uh, X's and O's-wise, a pretty balanced approach. Uh, Hancock's numbers, both on the offensive and defensive side, really uh, stand out. Of course, the biggest number, that 8-2, and two, that's a very nice record that they're walking uh, in the Lee Triplett Stadium sporting. But yardage per game, I've got them rushing at 214 per ball game, and then the passing at um, – 
193 per so that's really good balance through a high school season it's late in the year so all of these averages are going to kind of give you a pretty good picture but that that screams balance at me no it does clay and you know hancock's going to operate out of that gun t offense you don't see a lot of that you see maybe versions of it but they're a true gun t team and to be good at that you got to have a good quarterback they've got that and dylan moran who is it going to be playing in the Bernard Blackwell All-Star game? Probably one of the better completion percentages that we've seen in a quarterback this year. 54% is what he's standing at now. He's 6'3". He's a senior. He knows the offense, leads the coast in passing yards, 24 touchdowns, but seven interceptions. That's one thing that he'll he'll want to clean up. And they got a big back, too, um, Zach Galong. He's got nearly 1,500 yards and a big receiver, 6'5". He's the guy that worries me a little bit. And uh, senior Neil Acker, he's got 800 yards receiving and nine touchdowns. So they got some guys that can get it done on the offensive side. When you look at it, we always kind of talk about our defensive line uh, play and that dominant force that is that front four for the tide. How does the O-line kind of look when you study film and how how do they potentially stack up against Coach Smith and – and that defensive line that he rolls out there on Friday nights. Well, Hancock's bringing back 10 starters on on offense, so they only lost one guy. Um, The offensive line, most of those guys are intact. Clay, honestly, they don't look huge up front on the offensive side. I think that uh, our defensive line, uh, it can potentially give them trouble up front, maybe um, being able to influence some of uh, the the throws that Dylan Moran makes, but – Look, our defensive line is giving everyone fits this year, so uh, I don't think Hancock's gonna gonna be doing anything particularly different um, that other teams have done. But it's definitely gonna be a tough task for this Hawks offensive line. When you look at Moran's numbers, uh, Rick, and, and you certainly mentioned them there, those twenty-four touchdowns paired with seven ints. I want to say that four or five of those ints came in one contest. I believe that was the Pascagoula ball game so uh you can manipulate numbers but if you take those four or five out that ratio certainly turns in in a in a big direction for more and i know he's a kid you were around at the uh at wyatt davis's camp i know Wyatt davis has worked with him a good bit tell us more about moran and the quarterback play that we'll see on thursday night i think he's growing into, into the position play and and one of the things that I took away from our interview with with Coach Lawler as I asked him, you know, he said in an article, he said, we want our quarterback to be an extension of the coaching staff on the field. And we talked through, our listeners heard the interview of kind of how he's progressed through that this year. But uh, his comfort level in the offense is a lot better. Um, You mentioned his his turnovers have came in bunches. Pascagoula, George County was a game where they were down and rallied back and almost won that game. But I think that he's going to bring a good A game he spreads the ball around really well. You've got maybe four guys with double-digit catches in that wide receiver group. Of course, uh, Neil Acker's the one that stands out the most being 6'5", but I think we're going to see a, a group that's going to spread it around. I think that he'll get it to the open guy and does a pretty, guy, pretty good job of doing that. I thought our secondary um, last week potentially played its best ball game 
against Deuce Knight and those threats? What kind of route combinations and then what kind of tasks will that secondary have? I know we've mentioned Acker already a couple times, and, and there's a reason for that, the tall target for Moran. But what kind of route uh, combos or, or what kind of challenge will this defensive secondary be uh, presented against this wide receiver group from the Hawks? I think it's going to be very similar last week um, against George County. Again, a lot more weapons, um, probably not outside of Acker, quite the athletes that we saw last week. We saw some good ones in that wide receiver group from George County, but these guys have good hands. They they catch the ball. You know, when your quarterback's 54%, that means he's got a whole lot less drops is typically what that means. So he's got some guys that can catch the ball, but we're going to have to play the same way we did last week be disciplined in our coverage, not be caught looking into the backfield and let our, our, our front four and our linebackers do the job in the running game. As gaudy as these offensive numbers are for the Hawks, it's just the same when you look defensively. I mean, you've got a, a linebacker, a senior in Hobgood that's got 148 tackles. He's a coach's kid, so that tells me he's probably, I use the term, and you know I will, the gym rat, uh, type guy who's really going to have a knack for finding the football. That certainly seems to be the case for Hobgood, their senior linebacker. It, it does, Clay. And, you know, Coach Lawler was very complimentary of him. He called him one of the best kids he's ever coached. And he said, look, I've coached Dandy Dozens and, you know, all state type guys. But um, Hobgood has, you know, earned the right to to join his teammate and Dylan Moran in that Bernard Blackwell game. Um, one of those kids that not getting a ton of looks kind of reminds you of a guy uh, that plays for the maroon and gray at linebacker, not getting a lot of college looks, maybe mainly because of his size, but plays with a big chip on his shoulder because of that. But he's the heart and soul with this uh, Hancock Hawks defense. And then when you look at the junior, 22 for him is how he'll be dressed, six foot 205. He's Aiden Taylor. He has 11 sacks according to their max prep stats through um, 10 ball games, I believe that places him even ahead of Waller when it comes to sacks. So that should tell the picking listeners all they need to know about uh, the kid that's going to be dressed and, and the double deuces. That'll be 22. Taylor, tell us what you know about um, him, Rick, and what kind of pressure he could potentially uh, provide on the edge. He's pretty relentless, Clay. He's a guy with a, with a high motor, um, does it take many plays off? Um, Coach Lawler, you know, raved about him as well on that defensive front. Um, he can create some some matchup issues. We got to make sure we're getting our pads on him and moving him. So he's going to definitely present some some trouble for this offensive line of Picayune. I think that we'll be up for the task. And you know, like we mentioned already, you mentioned Pascagoula. We talked about George County. I mean, this is a team who is a couple of plays away from being undefeated in this game on for, on Thursday night potentially being who wins the district and who's the two seed. So a very dangerous Hancock team. A Hancock team, too, though, uh, with all the numbers that we've talked about, I think uh, Coach Lawler would echo this sentiment. Um, maybe not getting it as much community college or Division One uh, looks for some of these guys on the roster. And Picune's that platform, right? It, it's that marquee team that – uh, you go perform against, that's the tape that maybe uh, the community college or Division One coaches are wanting to see. And as a former player, um, Rick, that may motivate the Hawks in a, in a, in a certain way that uh, you get a bit more 
out of them on Thursday night. It seems like we've seen some teams kind of uh, play out of their shoes against the Tide. The Tide can certainly expect that type of effort from the Hawks on a Thursday at Lee Triplett. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too, Clay, and 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 I agree with that. You know, not just we know that all the talents on the Picayune side, uh, regular coaches and scouts coming out to watch those games, and yeah, you get a kid who's being looked at on Picayune's uh, team by a coach, and someone flashes and on Hancock's side that obviously gives you a platform uh, to get your guys looked at. And Coach Lawler mentioned that. You know, he said we try to put our players in front of as many good quality opponents in our non-district schedules we could for that very reason. But when you look at as many good things that happened a week ago, and it's hard not to start with uh, Nike Ratcliffe and that O-line and, and the job that that group did, uh, I guess I'll, I'll use a negative as we go prep for the week forward. Had a couple kicks blocked uh, for the Tide, and, and that's something that, uh, you know, it's got to be cleaned up, right? You, uh, much like life, a mistake's made. You want to quickly uh, correct it, correct it. The film's out, but Ty kind of got to get that cleaned up. That can't be a, a reoccurring issue. No, that's that. That's a really good point too. And and special teams, as we've mentioned, have been huge. Uh, Morgan Kraft's return to the, the the starting position as kicker for this team is as as you know, given Picky's defense, great starting field position. But, yeah, those extra points are big in field goals. You know, that resulted in a touchdown, and it took a point off the board. And as you're getting time for playoffs, uh, those are the small things that you got to make sure you got buttoned up. So no doubt that the Picayune staff has been been looking at that, figuring out what happened and what George County saw on film to be able to execute and, and make those plays they did. So that's definitely something they'll look to clean up. Look to clean that up. You know, the Tide were able to kind of get, uh, say, like the monkey off the back with a win at home last time out. But going into that, the Tide still sit only uh, one and two at the house at Lee Triplett Stadium. If you're Coach Steigner and this staff, that was an emotional ball game. That was a game that, uh, as the Tide, I think, would tell you, it kind of took it personal last week in George County. So you win the district, um, you take care of business. This this game can't be a letdown, I guess is what I'm uh, saying. You don't want to go into the playoffs not playing your best football. So to get emotionally intense uh, again here Thursday night, on which is kind of a funky week. It's a shorter week, and these kids are still 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. It's Halloween. Not that I think that they're out trick-or-treating, but a lot can go uh, wrong on Halloween night when you're that age group. Yet another task for this staff to try to keep these guys locked in and focused on the opponent on Thursday night. It certainly is exactly that, Clay. And I think that this coaching staff's message is not going to be anything around the fact that they've already got the one seed locked up and this game doesn't matter. They're going to look at this as a dress rehearsal to prepare for the postseason against a quality opponent. You know, look, you I know you're a big basketball guy. I've learned a lot of basketball stuff from spending time with you watching games over the years. But, you know, how many times have we seen a one seed in a you know in an NCAA tournament that just finished poorly and kind of limped in maybe their their regular season game that they finished with was not a good performance they get knocked out in the first round so you certainly got to approach this as we're getting ready for playoff football our opponents Hancock and that's really all that matters 
Yeah, that would be a lot of fun to kind of see the intrigue, these different matchups that we've discussed here, and two really good teams getting after an 8-2 and two Hancock's coming to Lee, Lee Triplett to take on the 7-2 and two Maroon Tide. And, Rick, I can't wait for the call. We'll have it. It's a day early. It's on that Thursday. It's a 6.30 Mossy of Picune pregame show. And as always, man, I appreciate the job uh, that you did on the interview and you being locked in early in the week and should be a fun affair on Thursday night. Man, I can't wait, Clay. It's going to be a good one. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Rick, and thank you to the listeners.